Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Vanilla Seymour, with your other host, Richard Pistachio Geiger. Well, hello. We are ecstatic to be back with you again this week. We have another fine episode for you. In fact, we are going to be talking about a variety of fun subjects. Fun to you, hopefully fun to us, certainly. We will be going over a little later in the episode about how much of our lives we have managed to just give away to watching movies and how we're perfectly happy with that. And in, uh, Happy, happy, happy. Exactly right. We'll be going into just a little bit of one movie in particular as we continue our trek through the history of comic book movies or comic movies, as you will, uh, as this one's more based on a comic strip than a comic book, but uh, Garfield 2, uh, Tale of Two Kitties. And... Uh, to begin things off, we wanted to start strong. We have with us today Mr. Scott Troiano. He is the man behind Gaming with Scott, a podcast that is completely rooted, completely uh, immersed, completely overwhelmingly game-centered. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Ken. Would that make me Scott Butterscotch Troiano? You can be any flavor you wish, good mm. sir. And I'm taking butterscotch. That's I'm all over that. Now, usually I'm butterscotch. He switched it up today. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Oh, well, then I well then I can back away slowly from the butterscotch. I understand it is hollowed ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Mr. Triano is a, a, an individual that I've known for a number of years and has been around the uh, the gaming. Uh, epicenter that is Indianapolis. At least I consider it to be with Gen Con kind of being that that landing point there. But uh, he's he's been doing games in that area for a very long time. I was hoping maybe you could just kind of give our listeners a little bit uh, of a taste of kind of where you come from and a little bit about what your podcast does and, and how you entertain so many people. Sure. Um, so to give a little bit of background and history, I, uh, recently had a birthday, uh, and on that birthday, I actually celebrated my 40th anniversary of playing D&D. Oh, wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I, (laughs) I found, uh, I thought it was really, it was both interesting and like, oh no, my bedtime is getting earlier. Okay. Um, so I started at a relatively young age. I was eight when I started playing D&D, um, which for the simple math at home lets you know how old I am at this point. Um, 26. So I started 26. Yes. 29 for the how many time. Um, so I started with D&D, uh, as a lot of people did, uh, and began to branch out uh, into different role-playing games. I tried to play a little bit of everything. Um, as I was coming up, I was... Uh, I was born in Ohio, moved to Western Pennsylvania, grew up in Chicago, which was really an interesting, um, an interesting place to grow up. Uh, actually, ran into a friend of mine whose dad was a senior editor for FASA when they were uh, developing Shadowrun. Nice. So I was really, 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 really nice to be in and one of the playtesters on the original versions of Shadowrun. Um, like when it first came out, we were one of the first people to play it. It was really a lot of fun. Um, then around the early 90s, I was introduced to this thing called live action role playing, um, which is really nice, uh, as opposed to four people around a table where the, you know, paladin and the rogue go one direction and the wizard and the halfling go the other direction, get attacked by a dragon and suddenly the paladin and rogue come running back because they heard that, um, on the other side of the mountain, there was an attack. Like you're all at the same table. Like how how did they know, right? But suddenly they're like, we gotta go save our buddies. We're in live action role playing. You you assume the role of your character and you go interact away from the table. So if one of your buddies gets led to the basement and you're in the attic and they're getting uh, attacked by the dragon, you don't know until later. So you actually you know dress up. You get to play dress up uh, while you play make believe, uh, and you portray your character with others who are doing the same. Um, I spent about 11 and a half years running uh, one of the most interesting and intricate games, uh, vampire games in Indianapolis. 
so it had a, a nice long run. Uh, people from Fort Wayne and Dayton and Bloomington and a bunch of other places. We had several games that shared a continuity, so we, we moved back and forth from there. Uh, and then for the last seven years, I've been doing uh, Gaming with Spot, the Gaming with Scott podcast, which has started with Marvel, uh, Marvel Comics, the Marvel role-playing game, the 1983 version of Face Rip, uh, which was originally TSR, and then uh, moved in uh, different directions as it was picked up. And it's subsequently been retired, but I pulled it out because when I was asked, if, gee, if I could game with anything, my answer was going to be Shadowrun or Marvel. And we picked up Face Rip. Did it for about seven years. We're on hiatus at the moment, but we're going to be picking up recording uh, either that or possibly D&D Fifth Ed here in the next month or so. So our schedule should pick back up. We're out of the holidays now. Um, but I've tried to do all different types of role playing. Uh, I've done play by email. I've done live action. I've done tabletop. Um, and I've really, you know, and of course, there's a slew of video games, etc. Um, that come along with that of the role playing genre. But I've immersed myself and been gaming for more than 40 years now. And I'm hopefully knock on wood and quite passionately going to do so for another 40 years. And uh, hope to, uh, you know, be able to leave at least some good stories for people to tell. Now, for those of our listeners that are not aware, if you do manage to play the old Marvel role-playing game for any extended period of time, you will end up with a reasonably intelligent psyche, just so that you know. That little inside nice. joke for, <laughs> for those of us that have played. Uh, but character? Uh, the phase rip. Uh, uh, fighting, agility, strength, endurance, reason, intelligence, and psyche. Certain things yep. just kind of stick with you. Mm, I see. Yep. And for all of those people who build the brutes or the wolverines or the, the, the back door is psyche. The answer is I will just beat your mind into the dirt and then, oh, look, you're a vegetable. So now we're all going to go run away. It's great. Yeah. Good memories. Good memories. <laughs> I, I heard in there um, you had mentioned the FASA. Did they do, am I thinking, maybe I'm my, my brain, do they also do Mech Warrior? Do they do Mech Warrior games? They did Mech Warrior and for a short while Battletech, and then that kind of came and went, and it's now under a different uh, a different company. But yes, Mech Warrior was very much in there. Battletech was very much in there. Um, I rather enjoyed both of those games as well. Uh, yeah, oh, good fun. Giant robots, we love it. I mi I'm, I miss those. They're, they're still out there, but I miss them. They used to be... I feel like much more popular than what they are now. Agreed. It's yeah, especially they've they've adapted Mech Warrior and more more specifically BattleTech to the video game platform. Not overly. There's been three or four of them. Not horribly successfully, but it, it, instead of having a sheet with a thousand dots on it of armor point values and having to roll hit locations and number of missiles that have hit and, you know, a game that takes six to eight hours minimum for five or six turns, it, when you can do it in video game form, it, it makes the math a little bit easier, but I don't think it has the same uh, tactile of moving your mech across the map and then getting a kill, and I just don't think it's the same. I kind of feel that uh, it, it's it's in a lot of ways. I feel similar to the changes in D and D. I had this I had this discussion with my children at one point as I was trying to explain to them why the uh, original Dungeons and Dragons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was so wonderful because not only was it your uh, fantasy environments that you could be in, uh, but you had to have a certain level of um, mental acuity and ability to do math on the fly that kind of maybe wasn't so good for the gaming experience in, sen in the sense that it would keep some people from being interested in it. But uh, it kind of, you felt special. It's like, I'm smart enough to play this game. I can play Battletech. Yeah, exactly. And and original D and D and advanced D and D. Oh yeah, I can calculate FACO. I mean, I I'm I'm uh, yeah, I know where I'm going here. And people were like, and yes, it was cumbersome, and it might have been a bit of a barrier to entry. Um, but boy, if you could do it on your if you could do it in your head, you were just like, yeah, yeah. You there's a little smile there, and you'd be like, all your buddies would be like, ooh, we recognize. Right, well, the the gamer <laughs> equivalent of the secret handshake. Exactly. 
<laughs> for those for those of you listening at home, Thaco means to hit armor class zero. Right. And it's both forward and backwards. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, I think I, I caused a meltdown when I uh, attempted to explain that particular uh mechanic to those that are just oh we play 5e we have all of these different uh, classes and uh, skills that we can layer upon everything and these things combine and 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 uh, my son's like well i want to be a dwarven warrior great it's like what skills do i have um you can be proficient with some weapons yeah (laughs) they don't have it written in the book but i'll let you blacksmith some stuff how's that sound is that good no worries go ahead uh yes. So, for those that don't know, in the Gaming with Scott podcast, when you run these games, is it kind of all intended to be the listener is the omniscient third person as we're listening to the story go along, or is it more kind of uh, uh, more kind of fourth wall breaking on occasion as everybody is trying to come up with their plans and talking to the storyteller and trying to move forward in the plot? More of the former than the latter, but there are several times um, when the team uh, kind of talks across the table and says, okay, well, the bad guy's in there and we're going to go, you want to go in through the second floor, I'll come in through the back, we're going to do that, and here's what we're going to do. Um, the Marvel, especially when we play Marvel, when things come down to dice rolls and story, in other words, somebody says, well, I'm going to you know, activate my force beam and knock him off the, uh, you know, knock him off the top of that building. Um, there are dice rolls involved and we do then break into rounds with initiative. And in Marvel, you do one person rolls initiative for their side. So we go around and we declare everyone's intent and we say, okay, uh, Ken, what, what are you, what's your planned, uh, uh, what's your declared action for this round? Richard, what's your declared action for this round? Okay, let's roll initiative. You're going to shoot him off the wall with your beam and Richard's going to fly up and catch him out of the air and bring him down to the ground or, or rescue the baby that he's holding or whatever the case may be. Then we roll initiative. And if the bad guys get initiative or the, the enemies get initiative, they get to go first depending on initiative. So when you go to fire, he may have already ducked down behind cover. Or if your side wins initiative, well, then you pick him off, Richard jumps up, catches the baby, hooray, applause once again, and then the enemy gets to respond. So it can go back and forth. There's some tabletop, um, but typically, as much as I don't like number-heavy um, number heavy scenarios, generally, if you guys are superheroes, and if you can, well, I'm going to run through the wall. Well, okay, it's a normal wall. You can run through it. Why would I make you roll to see if you bounce off of a normal wall when obviously, you know, you've got the strength to do so. It's not going to impact the story. If your idea is I'm going to run through the wall on top of a building, well, that might take a roll because it could have a heavy impact on the story one way or the other. I don't like to make a dice roll unless there's going to be, you can either succeed and we're really, really good, or you're going to fail because the task is nearly impossible. But where I want to put a dice roll is on those gray areas where, well, you might succeed, you might fail, and it's going to make a difference. Keeps it streamlined that way. Yeah. So do you ever, and I think maybe can kind of ask this question, do you have through the podcast or maybe if you streamed it live from some other thing other than the podcast, is it possible for as you're doing whatever you're doing, the person that is watching or if you are doing something live, they could be the one to dictate a move a counter or whatever it is we have gotten some cameras and we're looking at potentially going on to twitch or maybe youtube or facebook live um we're looking at doing that it's going to require somebody to run the chat window and one of the things that we were looking into is creating enemies or groups of you know because if you because if there's four or five people at the table they're obviously a superhero group um superhero groups tend to benefit from having other groups that are their either nemesis or enemies or whatever the case may be and we have toyed with the idea of putting together a group that could be fans or people like the first five people that come in who say hey i want to be one of the groups and we would assign them general character archetypes and have them say okay while the 
while the main characters are declaring their actions, we would poll the listeners or the watchers, the people who were, you know, our, our audience members and say, what would you like us to do? Give us two or three ideas for each character and we'll pick and choose and sort of meld them together on the fly and let the audience start to direct those exact sort of actions. So funny you should ask, we have not done that yet, but it is something that we had in the pipe. There were a few technological challenges because we don't necessarily want 500 people making suggestions. You know, if we were lucky enough, what am I saying? The three listeners that we had, I guess they could just say, hey, yeah, we <laughs> want to do those things. But um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think the most that we've had on is something like uh, 42 listeners at once when we were doing it. We did a live thing once and it, it was we thought it was wildly successful, but it was less than 50 people. The the the, the we don't want everybody shouting out things to do um, or it quickly devolves into a, a, a Marvel version of whose line is it anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, but we want to try to start opening it up into audience participation. That that sounds like it could be really cool. Now, I probably wouldn't name them watchers if I were you, because uh, my impression is that watchers never interfere. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Stan Lee. Thank you. One of the watchers has moved on. We're all good here. Oh, I've been aching to use that button for a while now. <laughs> I'm glad I could help. Even I got that one. Yeah. Yay. So, okay. <laughs> so we've got we've got the background. That's that's kind of kind of a great flavor. So you said you started with Marvel and, and maybe you said this and I'm just, you know, in in the beginning stages of becoming brain addled. But did you say which game are you continuing with the Marvel or you're going into something new now? Uh we're thinking about uh going into picking up a D and D fifth ed. You want to do right, five right, ed. Right, 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 right. Um we had previously done uh two seasons of what was we called Fantasy Weekly. And what we did there was we took some D and D we took some fate, we took some beyond the wall, we took some homebrew character creation, and we built a group that had a pre-spun history from when they were in the their home village together. They'd had some scenarios as they were growing up. One of them had helped another one. In other words, we went around the table and we wrote we rolled up a backstory for each, and we said, okay, when you were younger. Uh, you were jumped by a group of, by uh, three bandits that had come, that were traveling from west to east, and they'd come through and they jumped you, and the player sitting to your right helped save you when you were 10 years old. And then we let them discuss, okay, well, what kind of bandits were they? Did they steal anything? Did you drive them off? Was there a murder? Was there a trial? Did you... Did they run you off? In other words, he came in and caused a distraction and you both escaped through the woods. And they built a backstory um, as an individual level. The next one was, okay, um, an old woman in the village died and left you her farm. Uh, you uh, began working the farm with the player on your right. And we went around the table and sort of built a history and a backstory for each of them that was tied to the other players so that it was a big circle. Um, and, and it made for an instant investment from the player characters because they had uh, overnight, if you will, or through one game session, suddenly their characters had grown up with each other. They knew each other's parents. One of them, one of their parents, uh, one set of parents of one of the ki uh, one of the characters owned an inn. You know, the inn on the square where all the travelers came in and rested for the night. Uh, another one had the farm outside of town. Um, one of them was a, a wannabe knight who was very honorable, but got himself in over his head with the, lo the local mystic. Uh, so there was instantly, and they fleshed out all the details and kind of talked it out and and came up with, well, I did this. And you did that, and we did the other, and I saved you from this, but you helped me out with that. And instantly, these characters had investment. The players had investment in the characters so that when they were ready to start out adventuring in the world with the scenario of, hey, there's this weird thing happening in the next village. You guys, they say you should go take a look at it, and they head over, but they've already got backstory, and they've got several years, finger quotey, 
of interaction as their characters. And as we spent the hour, hour and 15 building that backstory from their youth, as it were, suddenly they had inside jokes and they had things that they'd done. And one of them ended up tripping and falling into the middle of this meeting and like, uh oh, and the guy and one of his buddy had to go in and save him. And on the way out, he's like, hey, you know, I'm getting tired of saving your skin. Um, and it harkened back to when he had saved him from the bandits. So we kind of mashed up some rules and did a lot of free flow, a lot of free form. Um, it was very much a homebrew from five or six systems with a homebrew character gen um, and a more than a sprinkling of Beyond the Wall was in there, which is a, a fantastic role playing system, which was very free form, but it's worth Googling and taking a look at it's got some very interesting things to it, um, but it immediately brought a group together and it was one of the best chemistries that we had at the table uh, with some people who were, were really into the characters made some great story. Um, and so we had a fantasy genre and we did two seasons of that and then it was very, very odd. It kind of sat and, and everybody we hit a holiday season when everybody kind of went their way and it didn't ever seemed to coalesce to come back and recently i've been asked a couple times in the last few months hey your gaming podcast <clears throat> where's your DD game so we're really looking at, at potentially picking up fifth edition that's definitely too cool now as you can hear dear listener this is a gentleman that knows his stuff he's got that kind of background in gaming not only from being able to play but being able to help to create an environment where everybody can kind of share and uh and kind of uh, create a new experience for for each other and and get something special and so in coming months every so often we are going to have this gentleman come by and tell us uh, about something that either he thinks is really cool that's on the horizon or something that he just harkened back harkens back to putting the s in the wrong place here uh that was just kind of cool now we were talking a little bit before we started this that this isn't exactly a uh, tabletop game but it's it's certainly role-playing i mean it's just the the newer technological evolution that everybody seems to be uh clamoring for ever since what uh, the atari uh, <laughs> You just picked. You were telling us that you had just picked up a title that you had become enthralled in. Uh, what? What do you? I guess I'm just trying to uh, to set it up for talking about The Witcher. Yes. Um, so over over Christmas uh, of this this last recent December, uh, they were running a special, thankfully, and uh, Netflix had dropped a series, Witcher. Um, so I started to watch a little bit of that, and I had been doing a little bit of reading in the books and found this character and, and thought it was really, really an interesting idea and and had been looking and all of this started with um, trying to find a video game for my son, who is now 14. He's a freshman in high school. And I thought, yeah, OK, well, we've been through the Halo series and he really enjoys Minecraft and I want to get a good role playing game for him, something that's really get him immersed. And I'm looking around and I'm looking around and um, I find Witcher, the Witcher series. And I asked some buddies and I did some research and I said, well, which Witcher is the best? You know, which Witcher should I witch? And uh, the overall consensus was start with Witcher 3, play that. It's one of the best games. Um, go there and you'll be fine. <clears throat> I can heartily say that it is perhaps one of the best games I've played in the last decade. Um, I'm since December 22nd, I was going to buy it for my son. So I wanted to, you know, kind of test it out and see how it was. The opening scene, no spoilers here, uh, is a young lass who is scantily clad and her posterior is right there for all to see. So if you've got children below a certain age, there is some nudity, there is some adult content. Um, so you, you know, buyer beware. You might not want to give this to your eight-year-old and say, go, be, run, be free. Mm -hmm. um, might not might not be appropriate. 
And as I as I found it was on special, fifteen bucks uh, on Amazon, it was thirty five. So I said, "Oh, well, I'll gladly save twenty dollars and play it." Well, since then, I'm one hundred and twenty hours into the game, um, gearing up to hit the final quest and beat the big bad, or at least throw in to beat the big bad. And it has been <clears throat> to this point one of the best games that I have ever played. It is fantastic. I have found, I have found that it is up there with Final Fantasy VII. Um, it is up there with some of the best role-playing games that I've ever played. And even with having that many hours into it in a two-month span, I am st- I even took a week off from my birthday and literally basically played Witcher eight to ten hours a day straight for a week and i am not at all like burned out on it i'm ready to go um i'm about to beat the big bad and i'm really pleased to to wrap up the main storyline because it will let me really then get into the two downloadable contents that were included with the complete game of the year package and i'm really looking forward to them because they're supposed to be two extra stories on top of the main story that are supposed to be at least as riveting if not more so than the primary game. So I am, I can wholeheartedly recommend the game. It's got a very good story. Um, The combat can get um, a little sticky early on. You really do need to learn how to use the combat. It's not a question of, well, I've got the ability to create fire, so I can just do fireball, right? Yay, okay, well, I'm just gonna fireball ball everything into oblivion. Well, that's great, except for the times when you need to do a fist fight and they don't let you use your fireball. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't actually use how to learn how to do fisticuffs, you're going to get whooped. <laughs> um, learning how to parry is a thing that's actually a thing. Um, <clears throat> knowing how to use the combat mechanics, um, they're not exactly the smoothest combat mechanics that I've ever used, but they're paled in comparison to the story as a whole and it really gets deep and it really gets interesting and you have a lot of opportunities to go different places with the understanding that a couple of times when you traipse down this side quest it will immediately cut off other options that you thought you were going to go back to that suddenly you've enfriended one group which has made you an enemy of the other group and good luck talking to them anymore so it's a very deep uh very intricate game the history of the areas are uh, very well done. There are four or five different political factions <clears throat> with different armies. Um, it's very interesting to go through and play the game because then when you watch uh, the Netflix show Witcher, uh, the only knock that I have on the Netflix show Witcher is they do a series of flashbacks in, in, in the episodes in Witcher, which are great, once you can figure out their flashbacks, I had like the first four episodes. I went, wait a minute, how the hell did that happen? What, what? You, that person's dead. What's going on here? Oh, that was a flashback. Yeah, and the timeline was, the, oh, was the big tie-up yeah. in that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you've, but when you play The Witcher Three, you learn about Radovid and Philippa and all of the background, and you go. Oh, so I went back and watched Witcher after playing 100 hours of Witcher 3, the video game, and I went, this makes so much more sense now. Got it. So I highly, I've started reading the books on audiobook. They're fantastic. I really enjoy the character Geralt of Rivia, and I really like the fact that the Witcher game, Witcher 3, it allows you to have your own code. There are no evil um, decisions. There are no shiningly good paladin decisions. There are decisions. You take coin to kill monsters. Sometimes people are monsters. (laughs) Um, That's kind of up to you to decide. And there are many times when it's like, yeah, I don't kill monsters, only I'm surrounded by them in this room. And it's one of those where they're like, hey, wait a second, you just said I'm a bad guy. And you have to deal with the, the good and the bad. It's it's amazing um, societally, and I think this is reflected in things like The Witcher and the, the, recent, the most recent Star Wars, and we can get off on a whole huge tangent, that we've gone from 
when I first started playing D&D, <clears throat> when there was decidedly, there was light and there was dark. There was black and there was white. There was the good guys and there was the bad guys. And I think we have really progressed over the last 40 years. So now it's, there's so many shades of gray and there's, it's not all pure white. It's not all pure evil. It's not, it's very much in the middle. And the Witcher series encapsulates that because you get to walk the line of, well, I do some bad things. I kill some monsters. Well, there are some monsters out there who aren't bad and they just want to try to make a living like the rest of us. So maybe they don't need to be deaded. And you really get to build your own, like I have a code, I do these things, and sometimes I do those things, but I won't do these things. And it, it, it really allows you to build your own identity and what it is you are willing and are not willing to do. It is a phenomenal game and a resounding success. I, I recommend it to everyone. I guess one of the things that we would compare, because we had a discussion briefly about uh, Fallout 4 last week. So we've played, well, I've played the Fallout series of games and then Skyrim and Oblivion, those types of games. So th those are maybe not the straight line comparison, but I, I would imagine for us, it's the closest comparison of that type of game or gameplay. Definitely so. Kind of the uh, the lack of a uh, like you're talking about. You're you're going to make decisions, and it's not about necessarily good or evil. And I think that's a that's a good uh, advancement in any sort of storytelling. Uh, break it down to just protagonist and antagonist, uh, and then that allows you to make your own kind of decisions rather than having them necessarily foisted upon you. Absolutely, and then you get to decide. Well. You know, who, and you kind of ask the question, wait a minute, who's the bad guy here? Wait a minute. And there's the, there's the answer where it's like that in poker. If you look around the table and you can't spot the sucker, you're it. It's that same kind of thing where you look around the table and you can't spot the bad guy. It might be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that can apply to a lot of things, but, uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to go down roads that I, I might be tempted to go down. But instead, <laughs> I will thank you very much, Mr. Troiano, for joining us today and sharing just a little bit of what it is to run your own podcast uh, relating to creating a story and having, a, having it be game-centered. And I can't wait to have you on again and go over something, uh, something in a similar vein that will just kind of Maybe bring a, a smile to my face and the and the faces of all of those that listen to the show. Mr. Seymour, Mr. Geiger, I thank you for having me. It's been a real treat. Um, I can't wait to do it again, uh, primarily because, as we know, everybody loves pudding. That's right. <laughs> that was just too much fun. It's always good to talk to Scott Troiano, and he is a man that can definitely spin a story. Um, now, the story that I really want to spend right now is the story of you visiting our social media. We have a variety that you can find action and adventure on. We are on Twitter as at Real Pudding Guys. Bam. We are on Facebook and we are on Instagram as at Pudding Guys. Pow. We are even on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can help support us in our attempt to be more like Adam West. Biff. You're, you're just a regular uh, doctor of spin. <laughs> Very nice. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the uh, joking compliment. Um, so. Continue. What's next? Seizing up. No. Um. We talked about The Witcher there, and TV can, well, the, the game and the show, but TV can take just a ton of time out of your life, and so can movies. And I was just kind of considering how much time we spend with our chosen entertainment. And, you know, for me, and I know you to a certain extent as well, we've just watched tons and tons of movies. Have you ever kind of just thought how much time you've spent immersing yourself 
and these these stories and these attempts to elicit elicit emotion and kind of engage uh, with the the people watching. Well, I ran movie theaters for many a year, so even when not watching them, I was still watching them, unfortunately, in certain circumstances. So yes, I've spent a lot of my time in my life revolved around the movies and the viewing of them on a screen of large or small variety. Now, I, I personally, because I uh, apparently like to uh, engage in activities that are both long and difficult and are of dubious um, of a dubious help to anything in particular, I've been kind of going through and trying to catalog all of the different movies that I have ever watched. You know, whether it's I've watched them all the way through or I've watched most of them. If I've only seen a couple of scenes of the movie, I don't count it because I never actually finished it. Uh, so that means a handful that were bad enough that I just turned it off after, you know, the first 15 minutes I can't count as having technically watched. You should do that with most Matthew Broderick movies. Not all, but most. Uh, you, you are relentless and wrong. So, <laughs> but the thing that occurs to me, you know, as I'm going through in my methodical plod through history, I decided to start with Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's every film I've ever seen that's had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it? And then from that, in those movies, what were the marquee actors? And pull those out in kind of an alphabetical list and then look at their resume. What movies have they been in that I have seen that were uh, as opposed to that? And so I've got this ridiculous list of actors and actresses that I'm just kind of going through. I'm still in the B's at the moment, and I'm closing in on 500 movies. That's that's a lot of time. I mean, you're looking at the end of days when it comes to how much time you spent. Yeah. I mean, if if I were to extrapolate, I can't I can't extrapolate that I'm going to get 500 per every two letters. I just don't think that's likely. But I think I might crest somewhere over 2,000 movies. Just be careful when you're writing them all down because you might have to get any eraser in there and, you know, nope. Yeah, eraser is on the list. Uh, or maybe. Now I'm starting to lose track. Actually, I don't know if I actually saw eraser. I think I, I, that's one of the ones I think I got through 15 minutes of. So I didn't actually put that into the list. Um, mm. So... Um, well, maybe you need to go out there and find all these movies that you've partially watched. You need to be a predator and hunt them down and watch the rest of them. Yeah, that one's not getting a, a <laughs> drum kick symbol. <laughs> uh, you are the destroyer of jokes. So, but no, I mean, really thinking about that, two thousand movies. Let's say the average time frame is what. 90 minutes, two hours? Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be a barbarian on the subject, but yeah, a lot of them are, uh, you just got an hour and a half to two hours. But of course, some of them, nowadays the movies have gotten much more comfortable with being longer, right? So almost preferred. Like if you go and watch a movie, I prefer it for it to be two hours, unless it's like a kid's movie, of course. Well, I mean. Hour and a half is okay. That means that, at least 3,000 hours. Assuming a single watch through for 2,000 movies, that's 3,000 hours if you're going to going to be conservative on the estimate. And I know I've seen a lot of these movies many, many, many times. Um, some of them in Commando. That's hopefully at home, not in the theater. <laughs> Well, that's that's my that's my last attempt at a Arnold Schwarzenegger movie pun, at least at the moment. But I mean, so that's what six, you know, six thousand hours. Let's say, let's say if you add all that together, that's just a ton of time. What kind of an impact has that had? You know, that kind of immersion in in pop culture. Well, I think you and I are twins in this subject because we, I've, we've both watched a lot of movies. I think we've watched a lot of similar movies. And it just seems that maybe too much time, you know, if 
if you're a product of your environment and a lot of your environment is a movie, is that good? Or is that bad? Is that fun? Is that right? Hmm. Maybe good questions. We probably should have invited on uh, some sort of clinical psychologist or something <laughs> to, to analyze uh, this particular aspect. But uh, um, I would like to say that uh, that I, I don't really want one too close because uh, I have a feeling I, I would have that, that fear, that eyes like, well, she's going to talk about what we ask her to or he's going to talk about what we ask her, him to. But then they're going to be analyzing me the entire time, and I'm going to, and I'm going to just be nervous. And <laughs> well, you know, for for example, like when you're in kindergarten, there's no cop that's going to yeah. come in and tell you that you can't watch these movies and you shouldn't do that when you get older, that type oh, of thing. I knew so that was coming. It was just a matter of time. Uh, Let's keep going. What What are you trying to do here? What are you running, man? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to do it again, but I did. We need one that's the opposite of the... Well, I've got the wah, 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 but I didn't program it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. That's okay. But uh, so, so yeah, that is something that I would love to hear. Anybody that's on the social media that we just talked about earlier, I would love to get an impression uh, from everybody else. How many hours do you think you've spent watching movies and or television or playing games? How much has it really formed you? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Has it been both? It's it's an interesting subject because we are, at least to some people that have a deterministic worldview, only, um, only basically big bags of our experience. And even if that's not completely true, it's at least mostly true. So what does that mean? What does that actually result in yeah and if you didn't watch movies until you were much older what does that mean too right and i think i think that's because when we were younger i mean i didn't i didn't have cable and we didn't go watch movies at the movie theater that often so it wasn't until i got old enough to have a car and go places on my own time with my own money that we went to watch movies a little more frequently, but then what, like I said, once again, I started working at movie theaters. I was just watching movies all stinking time, all the time. I don't know what I do with, without, I mean, there's, I've gotten so much joy out of so many of these productions and even the ones that didn't elicit a uh, strong emotional reaction still. It's just, it's, it's a spectacle. It's, it's our generations, not even our generations, our, our, last hundred years worth of generations way of storytelling i mean we still have writers and that still happens and everything but this is the most commonly consumed form of storytelling well and it was different for us when we were consuming them because we didn't have a a phone or a computer or tv that had way too many channels on it for us to go and watch nonsensical movies that no one watched, but hey, we want to watch it because we've got nothing else to do, and that's kind of how they're consumed now. Yeah, it's 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 kind of changing the landscape. I'm 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 curious how this is going to shape things. Uh, shape things. There's just so much media. Uh, I'm talking about when we were younger, a lot of the television, the movies that we would watch on television or at the theater, or the shows that we would watch on television with those limited channel choices. The people that watched were sharing the experience at the same time. That's not mm. the case necessarily. Maybe you had a VCR you could record. Right, but even even then, there's a certain amount of commonality that we would have similar experiences. Now there's so many different areas to get the the story from, the different stories, that we don't have that same that same overlap anymore but then the other thing too i think maybe you'll even run into in creating your list is even when you were younger um you watched movies who knows what they are or or how long they were but you just might not have total recall on what those movies were and how much of those movies you watched but that's true (laughs) 
You keep trying. You're, you're doing good. I, I, I appreciate the effort. Um, but I think I'm going to stop you from taking action. In fact, I think that's going to be your last action. Well, I've, I've been the hero in this <laughs> discussion. So, <laughs> Well, before we make any more awful puns that, that are going to torture you and fill your dreams with terror, why don't we... Why don't we uh, think about uh, a cat of a different stripe and move on to our discussion of comic book movie history. Now, this is slightly different because we had been doing pretty much just comic book movies. And you might go, Garfield wasn't a comic book, and you would be right. Uh, It was a comic strip. Uh, But, you know, now that we are having the time to really explore things one movie at a time we're just not trying to do this massive list it doesn't feel like it's such an impossible feat to also include the handful of movies that are based on comic strips as well especially since it deserves a nod uh, every once in a while now you, you know we were talking about this earlier you remember who i said was the the writer of the garfield comic strip right jim <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jim da- in- Davis. Davis from from Indiana, actually. Oh, nice. right. So, this is the second movie, the sequel to the original movie, because the original left many unanswered questions. <laughs> the primary yeah, one being, how, why why was this made? Why was this made? <laughs> uh, <coughs> it's. No. Uh, I do have a question for you. So, if we're doing these as a comic strip. Are we missing some Charlie Brown movies? Uh, we might we might eventually get there because we're just going to go forward. I'm not going to try and go backwards to the comic strip-based uh, movies from before 2006. Mm. It's just, if we did that, we literally would never finish because there are hundreds. I'm just telling Dick Tracy. Eh, Dick Tracy, that one was in the 90s, so... A long time ago. Yeah, that's that's not that's not going to hit at this point. But I, I think we might hit one or two more comic strip based films. But if you didn't realize this already, the the prime reason for seeing this movie is probably Bill Murray. I mean, because maybe the only movie, maybe the only reason I should say uh, he can be funny in pretty much anything, and I. I have to admit, this is one that I saw the first one. I did not see this one. Um, the first one was pretty cringy. Um, I have to think that the second one probably was too, but it's also about the intended audience. I mean, the director of this was um, uh, Tim Hall, who did like SpongeBob SquarePants and, and things like that. So it's kind of a silly kids sort of thing, except the comic strip. It really, and while there's certain things that kids would enjoy with it, it's kind of depressing <laughs> in some respects. Yeah, I, there's some elements of that in there. Now, I will ask, since we're talking briefly about Bill Murray, have you seen his commercial? He doesn't do commercials. Not normally. But he did one here for uh, The Big Game. Yeah, he it did. Was a Jeep commercial. Did oh, you see it? It was so good. It was so uh. good. And our, our good friend, Stephen... Tobolowski was in it and I like to say good friend Stephen Tobolowski even though he probably doesn't remember who we are <laughs> but oh yeah he does <laughs> I love that guy and anything that he is in I will support 1000% because he's just super nice and so funny mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that commercial was was actually one of the better ones if not the best one it was pretty solid yeah I uh, I, I have to admit I I, I giggled a little bit at that one. Somebody made a good suggestion that since it's Groundhog Day again, they should say that they were releasing the sequel of the movie and just release the original again, which is brilliant, really. Hmm. Funny. Yeah, I thought so. That, just touched it. Maybe the color's a little bit brighter. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the reason to go see it, but it's not like uh, <clears throat> it's not like there aren't other reasons. I mean... You've got uh, Billy Connolly in it. I mean, he's generally good in pretty much anything. Yeah, the cast in this is pretty awesome. Right? There's a lot. I'm just scrolling. There's a lot of cool people in this movie. Why are they in this movie? (laughs) 
<laughs> dollar signs, maybe. Guess so. But uh, you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt is you know generally pretty awesome in in most of the stuff that she does. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just there's there's not really it's it's a strong cast. Um, ben Falcone, right? And. Oh, Bob Hoskins, Sharon Osbourne must have been as Sharon Osbourne. Tim Curry. Yeah, I love Tim Curry. Jane Levy's, uh, she was in Frasier, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Uh, what she, she was um, the maid, maid? right, yes. right, right, right. Oh, boy, that's that's a show I haven't watched in a while. But so so yeah, I mean this this is a ridiculous cast and it's funny people, and I just the first one was so unimpressive that I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to watch the second one, and then but it, it was a resultant uh, there was a, a result from this if you saw the Zombieland two, uh, the post credit scene with Bill Murray where he's at the. Uh, press junket for Garfield 3 <laughs> when the zombie outbreak begins. Mm. <laughs> it's just beautiful. I've not seen that movie, and I really want to see it. Because the first one was really good. Yeah, it, it, it was extremely well done. So, I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes your movies are going to hit, and sometimes they aren't. Um, actually, uh, the, the person that's going to be in the next uh, episode... Uh, we spoke just a little bit about that ourselves. So how sometimes I might say that the movie is awful, but the actual thing I should really say is that it just didn't, it didn't land for me. It's not, uh, not really, it's not really a matter of good or bad. Usually it's just, well, you know, if it doesn't land for you and 89% of the people that go and watch it, you could probably say it has some elements that would lean towards it being called bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, but uh, I think it, I think we're going to close the door on this. We're not going to spend too much time because the plot is kind of irrelevant, and uh, and I'd rather I, I want to end on a positive note, and and I think the positive note is what is coming up next week. I am incredibly excited. Um, we are going to have something pretty awesome so next week we are going to have an interview with a comic book anchor comic book writer uh, a man about hollywood who has been involved in a multitude of projects um, just somebody i'm a huge fan of uh, by the name of jimmy palmiotti jimmy p he uh, is a fantastic gentleman and he was kind enough to spend some time with the pudding guys and talk uh well pudding guy anyway pudding guy yes uh <laughs> and talk a little bit about some of his work and some of the things that are going on and i think you will really enjoy what he has to say so definitely come back next week and until then uh watch at least you know two three more movies so that you can add to your list just like i add to mine <laughs>